From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode. Or go to ipswichtoday.com.au Coming up, Ipswich Councillor Marnie Doyle on Seeking a Second Term, Pushing Ahead with Nicola Street, Biggest Personal Achievement Since Being Elected, and What Was Behind That Toxic Culture Comment Last Year. It's Tuesday, January 30, 2024, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. First-time councillor Marnie Doyle had a shaky start, with early rumours suggesting she might not see out the full term. Then in March last year, councillor Doyle told the Ipswich Tribune she was 90% sure she would not stand for re-election in Division 3, speaking out on the toxic culture in council. Since then, Marnie Doyle has announced she will indeed seek a second term. Thank you for speaking with Ipswich today, Marnie Doyle. Uh, thank you, Alan. What did you mean by toxic culture? Well, so the um, entire, I guess, conversation needs to be considered, you know, in the context of... Um, a call from a journalist um, um, asking for a response to, you know, rumours that um, I had joined um, the local Labor Party, um, that information had um, been leaked or had been spread um, far and wide. Um, I had some, you know, negative interactions with individuals off the back of that, which was really disappointing. Some may argue that it's just politics. Um, I think I've gone on record before to say um, I find politics a little bit um, annoying and distracting. I'd rather just get on with the job. But it does um, absolutely lead to differences of opinion. And and sometimes um, I do find that um, a little bit toxic. I was um, really shocked by um, just over a simple matter of, of joining um, a local party. So um, that really, I guess, made me reflect on whether or not I really wanted to remain in politics because, you know, you are heavily scrutinised um, over the, the smallest of decisions. Like all new councillors, I'm sure you went in with the best of intentions. I don't know anybody that hasn't gone for public office that doesn't have the best intentions. How would you describe your four years as a councillor overall? Um, if I think about the last four years, me as a councillor in the context of working um, with my residents and for my community, um, that has been a really positive experience. I have thoroughly enjoyed working in the community. Um, this role has been very different to my my previous work, obviously, as, as a lawyer, a banking and finance lawyer. So um, when I decided to run for council and what I thought this role would look, look like, it was absolutely working in the community and helping residents. So um, in that regard, um, that's exactly what it, what it has been the last four years. And it's been an absolute delight. Um, you know, there have been lots of challenges along the way um, in working closely with residents, um, trying to help them navigate their way through red tape um, and often assisting them with issues that aren't local government issues either. It's, it's helping them get the right resources and pointing them in the right direction. Um, and I guess if I can use an example of um, my work in the domestic violence space, that is not, I guess, a core responsibility traditionally at a local government level, but I've 
um, you know, it's an example of where you have lots of opportunities to advocate on issues outside of local government. So um, that's been fantastic as well. You took on the committee chair role of Ipswich Central Redevelopment Committee. A tough gig. What have been the highs and lows? Um, yes, <laughs> lots of highs and lows. Um, that's um, I've been very passionate um, about the Ipswich Central uh, redevelopment. Um, very passionate and, and believe very strongly um, in the strategy in place in council. Um, when I took on the role, I, you know, as a fifth generation Ipswich resident, you know, grew up here, uh, spent a lot of time in, in town um, within the CBD. So absolutely saw the demise um, and, and the changes that occurred. So um, I had great ambition and, and passion um, you know, in, in helping revitalise our CBD. So that was really the motivating factor for me, taking on the committee, um, knowing also where it had come from, um, a lack of, I guess, governance and transparency. That's my wheelhouse. I, I do truly love, you know, legal um, and, and, and risk um, mitigation. So um, it's certainly been a committee that has been... Um, um, you know, really immersed um, both in the, you know, operational and practical decisions we've made and the strategy, but but also ensuring we've got the right, um, you know, due diligence. Current council has inherited a development that was well underway. The, the wheels were well in motion by the administrator, Greg Chimello. Right. Should council be considering the selling of those remaining commercial properties and the Commonwealth Hotel? I think you hinted at that at the last committee meeting. If we go back to the start when the strategy was developed and, you know, Greg Tamello, the administrator, spoke to this, it was never the intention to hold the assets long term. Um, it was about completing the uh, development, um, having tenants in place um, and, and having a period of time, potentially three to five years, but it will depend on um, the economic climate at the time and then taking the assets um, to the market to sell. That has always been the plan and and remains the plan. Now, what the timing looks like that that that's very difficult um, to determine at this point. We've seen you know enormous delays. We we've seen COVID. Who would have ever expected to throw COVID into the mix? It's been a tough time to be a developer and, and undertake retail leasing um, it's had lots of challenges. But I just want to emphasise that um, long term, it has never been the intention of council to retain these assets. Very early, um, very early on, you know, during administration, the assets were taken to the market and tested if there was any appetite to purchase them. And there was not. There's been some controversy over the decision to rebuild cinemas on the corner of Brisbane and Ellenborough Streets, the old Mac and East site there. Mm -hmm. Did Council consider any other options for that site in the lead-up to the decision? Um, so the cinemas have always been, again, a part of the strategy, um, even before administration, and it is well documented both within Council and on the public record. A cinema was, a cinema was considered the anchor tenant um, that would um, attract other um, tenants and and you know create well a, a, attract the footfall that we need back to the CBD. We have had 
um, I think it's three sessions, um, which I um, I had uh, council officers arrange to retest. Um, each time we were making, I guess, a significant decision about moving to the next phase, let's let's stop and and let's reassess. And so we had sessions on board up, do nothing, hit stop. And the advice from our external advisors and, um, you know, within council, and, and I believe this myself, it's a no-brainer. If we were to hit stop, board up, and then try and take those assets to the market for sale, if we're not backing ourselves, we have no confidence in, the, in our own market, who was going to come and want to buy them? What was also critical as well is um, a significant part of the leasing was already underway in relation to Metro and Eats. We'd locked in some tenants. So so hitting stop, board up, do nothing meant we would lose those tenants. Um, we had already invested uh, a significant amount of money in um, refurbing the buildings and, and putting those tenants in place. So we would have lost those tenants. We would have incurred the costs of, of boarding up, putting security in place. We would have lost market momentum. Um, all the while having the debt, the monies that have been drawn down um, in the early stages with, with nothing, you know, no rental return, no prospects of servicing that debt. So um, that that's the part, I guess, um, is, is difficult for residents. And I understand it. It's a complex issue. Very difficult to understand. What um, about the forecast foot traffic for the cinemas when it opens? Do you have a, uh, a low and a high number? Um, I, I don't have um, those figures at the moment. Um, what I am being told is it will very much depend on the additional tenants. Um, we have the mini and the majors um, and we, we've locked in two additional tenants this week and I'm so excited. They are brands that we have never had in Ipswich and, and Residents would never, you know, have believed that we could attract those sorts of tenants. I mean, you think about Hoyts, um, to have that brand come to Ipswich is just amazing. Um, and it's showing a huge sign of confidence in our market. So we, we say it's an emerging city heart. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, we will continue to build on it. We will continue as a council to activate the public spaces to attract um, residents and and letting residents know, long-term residents, um, what we've got here in the old mall. Um, people stopped coming here years ago. Um, my children would bypass Ipswich. They'd, they'd head to Indrapilly Shopping Town um, for movies and, and food courts. So, How yeah, is the I, cinema rebuild going? Now, when do you expect it to reopen? Um, hoping um, it, it will be um, around September. Um, but the date hasn't been locked in. There's a, a few different moving parts there. And, um, you know, one of those things is um, releases of, of movies. Um, so from the overseas market. So so we will, Hoyts will time their opening around new releases. Um, but, but I'm hoping, um, yeah, around September, maybe for the September school holidays, how amazing that would be. On a more personal note, what do you consider your biggest achievement since being elected? Um, helping residents. And, and you know, that is not something that um, you can ever really 
show or prove, um, but every day helping the little person, helping the vulnerable, um, that's been my biggest achievement. I came into this role with um, a model that I would be very hands-on with my residents and from day one, out of the gate, I have been active in my community, um, meeting residents at their home, small businesses at their place of business, sporting organisations out at the fields. Um, some of my residents are elderly and they just look for a cup of tea and, and company. They don't really have a local government issue that they want to talk to you about. So um, I feel, um, I guess, proud of the achievement of of being very connected to my community um, and working closely for them. The next term, Ipswich will again stay with two councillors per division. You haven't experienced the old model as you were elected in 2020. How do you think this has worked, firstly for residents and then for councillors? I think for residents, um, generally a lot of them will say it's it's challenging, but I think part of it is because the divisions are so enormous. Um, you know, it's enormous amount of change that residents had to go through. Um, I think it used to be at one point 10 divisions. Um, now we only have four. They're supersized. We don't have the old QT that was, um, you know, traditionally the Bible of Ipswich residents where they could see and, and get information. So there's no single source of truth these days with social media and, 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 and online. So I think that's hindered, you know, residents, you know, getting information and knowing who their councillor is and, and what division they sit in. So that will absolutely impact, I guess, a view on whether it should be one or two councillors uh, per division. For me personally, I'm very, very fortunate in that I have um, a, a close professional working relationship with, with Andrew Fechner. We work very well together as a team. We do a lot um, together for residents. I understand that's not the working model for all of the divisions. Um, some councillors do work very separately. Um, but for me, dual councillor division hasn't been as much of a problem because, like I said, Andrew and I um, work very well together. We're at the end of January, so the election will roll around very quickly now on the 16th of March. What are residents telling you are their priorities? Um, look, we are, you know, in the community each week um, doing a mobile office, um, 53 um, last year, in addition to our, um, you know, um, meetings um, at residents' homes. And, and for most part, it is about the basic services that a local government should be delivering on and and that is roads rates and rubbish it's about um getting um our parks and sporting grounds mode um it's about emptying the rubbish bins um so so for me um yeah that's what my residents are telling me can I bring up one issue which you may or may not be fully across, but I understand that the 40k speed limit that was introduced in the CBD, there was no consultation with councillors. Can you confirm if that's correct? 
Um, no, Andrew and I were consulted or we were given a heads up. So so those decisions are made by an independent body and those people that are appropriately qualified, um, like police and other emergency services, including TMR and council officers. So they obviously have that data, those statistics um, that drive changes to speed limits. Um, so we were certainly given a heads up Um before or after the decision was made? Um, that was, um, yeah, leading up to the decision being made, Andrew and I were made aware of that, yeah. And finally, Marnie Doyle, what will you be campaigning on specifically over the next few weeks? Wow, what does that look like? Um, so so for me, there's a few, um, few things that, again, we've been working on that I'm really proud of. So that is better road surfaces. So... Um, I brought a notice of motion to council back in 2022, I think it was. So receiving enormous um, amounts of complaints about the road resurfacing of the use of the, the method called chip seal. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Alan. That is that really horrible light grey surface with lots of loose stones. Um, and it's just one of the road rehab techniques that are used. Um, residents don't like it. I don't like it. Um, cause, you know, it doesn't look nice, but um, the, the small rocks are problematic for a number of different reasons. So I brought a note of, notice of motion to council to try and work out why we do it and, and should we be doing it and what other councils are doing. And it actually revealed resident, residents have been shortchanged for years um, that, you know, the use of chip seal um, is not really appropriate for, you know, inner city, urban areas. It's more practical and appropriate in your rural areas. Um, so we, um, since that time, um, obviously um, budget considerations, we will slowly but surely transition away from the use of that re road resurfacing. So, you know, um, people may not See that as, as a big issue but but for me that absolutely is important that basic services being delivered for our residents our ratepayers they should um, absolutely expect and get an appropriate standard um, Kerbin Channel I did bring the notice of motion um, to continue that it's so important for our traditional suburbs I've got one resident she said Marnie I've owned two properties in Ipswich for 50 years so 100, 100 years combined payment of rates and I don't have curb and channel and you know just like to point out there's not I don't think there's really any other councils that have a, an active curb and channel program they don't need to again it's the level of service or, or delivery um, for ratepayers um, they should absolutely um, get curb and channel out of the gate. It's uh, it's an historical thing here in Ipswich and, and unfortunately it's going to take us many years to catch up. Marnie Doyle, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for speaking with Ipswich today. Thanks, Alan. A reminder, you'll find handy links in the show notes and keep up to date on the website with who's running by clicking Election Watch. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au.
Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio, or play Ipswich today on smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.